What's up, guys? It's Terrangel here, also known as Straight Outta Calgary. And uh, welcome to the first, well, second official episode of The Flames Report. I'm here with my co-host, Harkirit. And uh, let's see what we're going to be talking about in the podcast. Uh, To start things off, we're going to talk about the new season and the divisions and how the NHL is going to end up scheduling games. And then we're going to talk about the Shillington signing that happened over the weekend uh, and how it affects the team and uh, what it means for Shillington going down the road. And we'll also talk about Yusuf Alamaki and uh, how he started his retribution tour from his injury last year to now. And after that, we'll give our not really our lineup predictions, but a little a little intro on what we think the lineup should be. We'll be grading the offseason. We'll also be talking about the World Junior Championships and talk about the four Flames prospects that are there. So, the first segment of the podcast. Uh, as most of you guys already know, the NHL recently came, up, uh, came out with the news on the new NHL season. Uh, they... They uh, introduced the new divisions, which is, which has the North Division with the Canadian teams, and then the West, the Central, and the East. The North Division consists of uh, the Flames, of course, the Oilers, the Canadians, uh, the Senators, the Maple Leafs, the Canucks, and the Jets. And then the West Division consists of Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Los Angeles, Minnesota, San Jose, St. Louis, and Vegas. And then uh, the Central Division consists of Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, and Tampa Bay. And then the East Division consists of Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, uh, the Islanders, the Rangers, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington. Harkira, what are your thoughts on the divisions and how the league brought back their return-to-play plan? Yeah, so uh, the divisions, some of them are going to be very tight. Like the North Division, there's at least, well, Mm -hmm. everyone except Ottawa could be competing for the top. Um, (laughs) Yeah, other divisions are also pretty tight. Um, So yeah, let's go into how they're actually planning on uh, going through with the season. Yeah, uh, the Flames are going to be versing the Oilers and the Canucks 10 times. Um, As we already know, the Battle of Alberta is going to be heated, and we're all looking forward to it, especially now that it's 10 times instead of the usual five. And uh, the rest of the five, well, four Canadian teams, uh, we're going to be versing them nine times, which, which is still a lot. And out of those 56 games, uh, it's going to be cool to watch. They're all going to be bunched together, which is which is why there's a such thing as the taxi squad. But knowing knowing how the NHL wanted to go with this, I think it's the right path. Knowing that they're still going to be on, tra- on, on track for October start for the 2021 and 2022 season. And then I... I think, I think the NHL could have done something better, but at the same time, with the limited time that they had to get another, uh, to get a start to the season, and how the uncertainty of the times that we're living in right now, it's surely the best plan that they could that, that they could come up with. Yeah, it is hard to create a new plan in such short time. Um... I did want to talk about. Uh, I do think there there are some key matchups in the North uh, for Calgary. Uh, Edmonton, obviously, that's going to be so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. ten games against the Oilers, um, but also uh, Winnipeg, like uh, versing them again nine times, still like yeah. three times the amount of games we usually play them. Especially, um, especially how heated it got towards the end of the play-in series. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be a good one. Vancouver, there's going to be a lot of key matchups mm-hmm. in this division. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, uh, training camp also is gonna it's gonna, for there's two different uh, start dates for training camp. Mm. So December thirty first is gonna be for the seven teams that did not make playoffs yeah. last year. Mm. Um, they'll be allowed to start on December thirty first, but the other twenty four teams that did make the playoffs, mm-hmm. they'll be starting on January third. Yeah. So it's about a week, a little bit over a week, uh, training camp, which should mm-hmm. be, which. It's it it gives the players time to be able to catch up and you know get back into that mentality. Yeah. Um, especially, well, oh, you can go yeah ahead. go ahead, go ahead. Uh, especially now that um uh, teams like teams like Ottawa, Detroit, and how they didn't make the playoffs. They some of these guys haven't even seen each other or been on the ice with each other for like a good six months or like seven months and. Going back to the camaraderie of like the locker room and stuff, it, it would be a good thing for them. So, like, for example, like new signings with new teams, it'll be easier for them to get used to the atmosphere of the locker room and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the playoffs are going to be the top four teams for each division, mm-hmm. making it 16 teams. Um, but one other thing was, um, the, the BC government. Uh, they haven't agreed to yeah. allowing Vancouver to play in their arena. Uh, for what we're hearing, Auto, uh, Ontario and uh, and uh, Alberta, like all those teams, like everyone in those areas, will be will be allowed. But yeah. BC is one area that uh, hasn't confirmed if they're going to be allowed allowing Vancouver yeah. to play. Yeah. So they may have to move. BC is the tricky thing. Uh. They don't want, like, the only issue they have with um, the whole return to play in Vancouver is the, uh, they're allowing uh, Vancouver to start their training camp in Vancouver. But going forward, they're like, they don't want any players or, like, teams coming into Vancouver, which I, I don't really know what happened. I don't really know how that makes sense because all of the teams are in the, all the teams are Canadian. And no one in or outside of, uh, I mean, outside of ca- uh, Canada is going to be coming into the teams. So, like, uh, I don't know. It's a shaky decision. But then also Ontario, on the other hand, uh, uh, their premier, Doug Ford, yesterday uh, was asked the same question of if they're going to allow the Maple Leafs and the Senators to play. And he said they're still talking, talking, uh, talking about it with the NHL. So... We'll eventually find out in a week or so what their plan is with uh, Vancouver and then Toronto and uh, Ottawa. Yeah, we're going to have to see how that develops. Yeah, and then some of the key dates for the 2021 NHL season are uh, January 13th is opening night for most of the league. And then April 12th will be the trade deadline. Uh, May 8th will be the end of the regular season. And July 9th is the last possible day of the Stanley Cup Finals. And then the Seattle Kraken, uh, they finally get to see their team on July 21st. And then uh, the NHL Draft will be on uh, July 23rd and 24th. And then uh, free, agent, free Agent Frenzy will be on July 28th. So with all of this, they're going to be on track to start the season again in October 2021 for the 21-22 season, which is the right path, in my, in my opinion. Yep. And then uh, I, think, I think in terms of how this is going to be structured in terms of play, I think fatigue is going to play a massive factor. Uh, uh, it's going to be a massive – it's going to be a massive feature in terms of how teams play and how players are performing. Because knowing knowing how 56 games in about, what's it, like January, February, March, April, May, like four months, uh, I think it's going to take a toll on like the physical and the mental side of, mental side of the game. But at the same time, at least it's not as bad as the bubble because like there you're just isolated by yourself or like you're literally just say, seeing the same people. So I think that in terms of like the path that the league took, I think it's a good one, but 
Uh, I don't the bunch bunching up of games for like players and teams. It's gonna be hard to get it uh, to adjust to. Yeah, it's it's about that mentality, like you're talking about from the bubble. I think that's why uh, one of the reasons uh, because they created the taxi squad was because they'll be able to give some players some rest mm-hmm. um, yep. for some yeah. times because it is a very accelerated season. Um, yeah, for the taxi squad, you have <coughs> to have a third goalie. Yeah. So, so at all times you'll be carrying three goalies, and then it's yeah. four to six players depending on mm-hmm. the team. They're yeah. allowed to carry, which will help with the uh, with the workload off some of these players. Yeah. Uh true. And then uh, that's why some of these uh, mind-boggling signings by uh, tr- a Tree were kind of confusing at the time, but now they make sense. Like signing uh, Louis Domingue. Uh, signing Nikita Nesterov because, like, obviously you need those type of players to come in and fill, fill not really, not necessarily like the role that the top players would fill, but like the depth roles that the team would need. If like, let's just say, a uh, player player needs a day or two off because of fatigue, or they're like uh, banged up or dinged up from like all of the games that are bunched together. So I, I really do think the taxi squad idea is a smart one but at the same time i i don't really i don't really know how to feel about it but like at the same time it's it's a good idea so i think all in all the taxi squad benefits the team but it could also hurt the team cuz sometimes the players that could be on the taxi squad they are uh, they're some of them could be inexperienced and they're not really used to that type of game yet, but we'll just see down the road. Yeah, we'll see. We'll have to see how each team uses their taxi squad. You could use it um, to prepare prospects, uh, nearly NHL-ready prospects, because mm-hmm. they are able to practice and be around that the NHL-ready team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, one of the names I was thinking was uh, Connor Mackey. He uh, yeah, absolutely. he could be a yeah. good person to put on that taxi squad, so he'd be able to. Cause he's, some say that he's uh almost yeah. ready for the NHL. Yeah, I think he's NHL ready. I think he could step in there, but it's only a matter of how they don't want to rush him or if they want to yeah. let him season with the team and stuff. Yeah, he could be a good option to put on that taxi squad to be around the team and practice with the team. Yeah, exactly. Also, like, uh, players like um, Glenn Godden, Matthew Phillips, they could be a good piece to add to the uh, taxi squad because they've all, all of them are already seasoned with, like, one or two seasons in the AHL, and it could be uh, very beneficial for their, like, development in yeah. terms of, like, putting them on the taxi squad. So, like, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's beneficial, but... At the same time, you don't really know what you're going with. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, they could help their development or it could ruin their development. Depends on yeah, how they're being way. used. Mm, absolutely. And then uh, we were going to talk about the new offside rule. What do you have on that, Harkirit? Yeah, so the NHL announced that they will be changing the offside rule for the upcoming season. So, basically, um, it changes... Um, your skate for the players to be on side, uh, a player skate will not be needed to be in contact with the blue line in order to be on side. So basically, what that means is how the player skates. They're, they're usually their front foot is on the ice, and that that um, the back foot doesn't need to be on the ice touching that blue line to be on side as it was in these previous seasons. So yeah, that, that that does help make it easier for the players. Doesn't mm. they don't need to be watching as much on the offside. Um, yeah. A good uh, if you want to learn more, the NHL players uh, relations uh, Twitter, they have a good video uh, explaining and showing different types of offsides and how that would be different in the upcoming season. Mm. Yeah. Uh, in in my opinion, I think it's I think it's a good decision on behalf of the NHL to do, because as as we all know, there would always be these offside uh, offside challenges, and it take like maybe like five to four minutes of the game, and, and you're just sitting there looking at 
if the player is over, if the player is not, if the player is over with the puck, if the player isn't over with the puck. It's just at that point, it just gets annoying for the players and the fans. And then I think it accelerates the game. Like there's not there's not many stoppages in the game. And in 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 like terms of how the players would play, uh, they wouldn't really care care much about the the rule in, of sorts, because like uh, they wouldn't really have to worry about if their foot's over the line before the puck or if the puck's in before anything. Uh, if like the if another teammate is over before the puck is, but yeah, I, I think it's a good rule. Yeah, I do too. I do too. But um. I just want to say it makes it easier for the refs too. Um, there is human error, obviously, and sometimes the ref can make a bad call in which they say it's offside, but us fans see it differently than the refs. Yeah. Um, in yeah, it, evidence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It makes it easier for the refs uh, yeah. to call it if it's onside or offside. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's definitely easier for both sides. In the next segment, we're going to be talking about uh, the recent signing of Oliver Shillington and what it means for the team. Also, we're going to be diving into the uh, the short season, well, like 20 games that uh, Yusuf Valamaki had in the Liga with Tampere. And yeah, there's that. On Saturday, uh, the Flames announced that they signed Oliver Shillington to a uh, one-year deal worth uh, seven, $787,500. Uh, I think that's in U.S. Uh, to, it was a one-year deal, and it's uh, two-way, so he could be sent down. But it obviously have waivers, which I don't really think the Flames would need at this point because the taxi squad. But, yeah. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's a really good signing for the team. As I thought, uh, something was going on, and I thought they couldn't really get a deal done, and they would end up trading him like they did with uh, Brett Kulak back in uh, 2018 <laughs> when they traded him uh, to the Canadians for literally ba- uh, bags and bags of pucks, basically. And um, I do think. It's it's uh, it's kind of a show me deal, I think, in my opinion. I think it's a show me deal from the Flames to Shillington, to like show uh, for him if uh, he wants to show that he's uh, capable of being on the NHL roster and being that uh, piece on like the back end that can help the team. I think it's a beneficial contract for him because he can prove what he's made up uh, made of and uh, what well, what's a what what his uh, playing style is and also uh for the team it's it's good uh we had just over uh one million dollars uh in cap space before we uh signed shillington and uh as of now i think we have about 200 and something k left and i think i think that's a reasonable position knowing that uh we do have the depth already that we need on the back end and in terms of like the forwards. So I think it, it, it saves the team some money left, but if they want to make a move in the future, I think they'd have to offload a contract of sorts. So yeah. What are, what, what's your opinion on the contract? Uh, yeah, I do like this contract. Like you said, I do think it's a show me deal. Um, it, I think it's a good contract for both the team and the player. Um, I think Shillington should be able to solidify uh, our bottom six, like uh, the last two spots. He should be able to play. Mm. He should be playing with, uh, or at least how I projected, he should be playing with Val Mackey. Yeah. Both two young defensemen. He does. I believe he does have a lot of potential. He should be able to. Yeah. Uh, become really good defenseman in the future. Yeah, it's just it's just based on how the Flames use him because like last year we know he was the seventh defenseman coming off of the either being scratched or either he was playing limited time with, uh, with Anderson or stuff like that. I, I, I do think he's capable of putting in the more minutes and playing more, but it, it's, it's at the end, it's all on Jeff Ward and how he wants to use him in his lineup. 
Yeah, but, I, I yeah. don't think he was given the chance last year to really break out and become that NHL defenseman, but he should mm, be able to absolutely. do something like that and, you know, steal his spot for the, on the team. Mm-hmm. And then I, I kind of do think he was underpaid a little bit, like not that much. But I think with the way he with the way he's played for the team thus far, even though it's a limited like limited time frame that he that he's played in, I do think the contract, well, not in in terms of term, but in terms of like the money he he was paid, I think it should have been like at least two hundred k more. But at the same time, the team also had to think of the cap space, so. It, it it works both ways, but in my opinion, I think he should have been paid a little bit more. Yeah, he has been playing well in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't down there for very long last season. Yeah. Uh, but he had three point three goals in three uh games in the AHL, which is crazy. But um, mm-hmm. last year he was usually scratched on the uh, Flames roster. Um, I do think he should be able to solidify that bottom six. Um, and I don't think he was given the chance to do that last year. But uh, he should be he should play well with Valmaki. Yeah, absolutely. And then what about, oh, God, what about Yusuf Valmaki tearing it up in the Liga in uh, Finland? Uh, yeah. He played with uh, tam- uh, Tamperine Ilvis. Uh and he had, he had 19 points, and he absolutely lit it up in the Liga. Yeah, he had uh, two goals and 17 assists in 19 games. So he's a point per game, which is amazing in that league with such mm. tough competition. Absolutely. And even after the ACL tear uh, before the 1920 season started, uh, even in his uh, interview with uh, Brendan Parker after uh, he came back to Calgary uh, you could even see it uh, you could even see it that uh, he was he was feeling good about himself and like he how he he sees himself in a good role with the team this year um, I do think the injury kind of set him well not really set him back but in terms of like how the team would have liked to like bring him in, I think it kind of threw that progress back a little by, by like a little bit, by like tiny footsteps. But I think this season, I think he's going to take a really big, really big step forward into, in terms of uh, his development. And I think, I think he's going to be a really, really good breakout player this year. I think he'd be contending for the Calder. <laughs> yeah. No one has him as a Calder trophy. Uh, he's yeah. no one ha- I, on Instagram. You don't see him on anyone's uh, Calder trophy predictions, but depending on how he plays, he could be a contender. Um, I did want to say he, he's only 22. He's a young defenseman. So he should be in the future, be able to take a top four spot in our defense mm-hmm. pairings. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I see him being on the first line after uh, uh, Geo retires. I, I see him I see him being that first line player with uh, Anderson. That would be a sick yeah, pairing. I think it'd be a I think it'd be a really good pairing. Something to look forward to. Yeah, and I did want to also say um the other day uh Kachuk was on a, a live stream with uh, Ryan Leslie on Instagram. And he had uh, a lot of good things to say about uh, Yusuf Valmaki. Um, he was saying he's excited and he really wants to play. And, uh, yeah, he should fit in well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even when uh, the return to play back in uh, July, and uh, he, he, was, he was skating with the team then. And he, he, he looked, he, he really had that pep in his step. Like, he, was, he looked really, really good. And then, obviously, we eventually down the road when the NHL season ended and uh, a bunch of teams sent uh, loaned their prospects to teams in Europe in uh, Sweden, uh, Finland, uh, Switzerland and stuff like that. Yeah, Russia and, too. Uh, yeah, Russia as well. And I, th- I think uh, that really helped him in terms of like developing and uh, he, he showed the sparks that he could create on the team. Like, uh, he had that one goal where he, like, absolutely undressed uh, the, a defenseman on the opposing team and then uh, scored on the 
scored on the other end, and then it was a really good, really good goal. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think he's gonna be a really good player, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Yeah, he's gonna be, he's gonna be so much fun to watch. Mm. So yeah, there's, there's the second segment of uh, the Flames Report podcast, and in the next segment, we're gonna give our short little lineup prediction, and then we'll be diving into grading the off season. And now we're going to be giving our uh, lineup predictions and grading the offseason from the Flames. As we all know, the Flames added and uh, they also lost a few pieces. Big names like TJ Brody left, uh, Cam Talbot, Travis Hamanick, Mark Jankowski, Eric, uh, Eric Gustafson, Derek Forbert, uh, Austin Zarnick, and uh, Toby Reeder. Uh, I I think some of these names are going to have a little bit of an impact on how the Flames play, uh, primarily TJ Brody and who fills that spot. In terms of the additions, uh, we obviously have the big name signing in uh, Jacob Markstrom, uh, Chris Tanev, Louis Domingue, jo- uh, Jokin Nordstrom, Dominic Simone, Nikita Nesterov, and uh, Josh Levo. I think the signing after Markstrom, they, they just kind of solidify our depth. But I, I do think the the one thing that uh, GM Brad Living didn't tackle was the idea of getting a top six uh, right shot uh, player to play with uh, either Gaudreau and Monahan or either with uh, Backlund and Kachuk. Um, in terms of bringing in players, I think I think Brad did do a semi-decent job with with the amount of cap he had, but the only mind-boggling signing, in my opinion, that a lot of people might might think the same way is uh, the Chris Tanev deal, where it was four years, uh, four point five million. Essentially, it was it was uh, a signing to replace Brody. But I I don't really think he's uh, he he doesn't really have that uh, type of style and play to like replace Brody. I might be wrong. I might bite my words later. But as of right now, I I think I think uh, uh, Ra- uh, Rasmus Anderson is gonna replace that spot. Even though I don't really want to see Tanev playing with Hanfin, I do think I do think Ras is gonna be playing with Geo. And then Tanev may be playing with Hannafin, or it might be the other way around. And then after the top four, uh, I think it's going to be Shillington and Valimaki, and then Nikita Nesterov as the extra defenseman. What about you, Herkirit? Yeah, for the defense, uh, for what, from what I think, I, the Hannafin uh, and Anderson pairing, I really I want them to stay together. Yeah, it, makes, it creates more depth in our lineup. So that would leave with Gio and Tanev. The old heads. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> From what I hear, Tanev is more of a defensive defenseman. Yeah, He's, he was playing with uh, Quinn Hughes for a bit there yeah. in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So maybe use Gio and Tanev as like a shutdown pair. Then mm-hmm. obviously Hanfin and Anderson leaving Val Mackin with Shillington, the two young guys. That mm-hmm. should be the best way, I, I would think, to... Uh, yeah to, defense. yeah, to divide the depth. But, uh, yeah, honestly, the Hannafin and Anderson pairing should stay together. Like, we even saw it in, like, the bubble and how good they were together. And same when, uh, same with the regular season and how uh, for, like, the limited, like, two or three games I think they were paired together, they did really well. And I, th- I think they just complement each other, but... Uh, but also in the same sense that uh, Rasmus uh, kind of hides Hannafin's mistakes on the D side because he's so he's so well at uh, doing all the things on the blue uh, on the other side of the uh, ozone, and yeah, yeah, I do I do like that uh, Rasmus coming into pairing with uh, Hannafin last year really did mm. solidify the defense. Um, yeah. Mm. And then, uh, obviously, the big question mark 
in terms of like how the flames are going to move going forward is like how Gaudreau played last season. I don't think they should trade him. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's, he's a really good player. I, I, I don't get the, I don't get how people in the fan base can already write him off after coming off a 99 point season. I mean, he was still he was still on pace to get more than a point per game with the amount of games that were left in the season before, obviously, uh, Corona came and ruined all the plans. But I, I don't think trading Gaudreau is one of the best things to do. But let's just say he doesn't play well this season and it's the, it's the same old, same old. Then at that point, I, I, I'd consider a trade. But it's still foolish to think of a trade at this point because you honestly don't know how good he would do with the team, with a different team, because, like, I don't know. And then also the idea of uh, Kachuk going on the first line, it's a very astounding – I think it's a very good idea. Uh, Back in uh, 2018-19 – the coach, former coach Bill Peters tried it out in a preseason, and it looked it looked really nice, but it just didn't happen. What are your thoughts? Yeah, like you were saying about uh, trading Goudreau, um, he's an amazing player on a very very team friendly deal for what mm-hmm. he brings to a team. Absolutely. I just think he needs those pieces with him. Yeah, like you said, Kachuk mm-hmm. would be a good one. I'd love to see that tried in like for a lengthy amount of time, because mm-hmm. Kachuk's so good at the, that physical game, and he's still so smart with the puck and all that. And mm-hmm. Johnny Gaudreau, yep. he's amazing with transition game, and then maybe throw in Monahan, who's able to take those uh, shots in the slot uh, yeah. or Lindholm. That would be think, a good idea. I, I think the thing that. Uh, hurts Gaudreau in terms of like how he plays is he needs he needs that type of player on a line with him that can also do the same same things that he does exactly because yeah. right now on uh, the li- uh, pairing of Lindholm Monahan and Gaudreau Gaudreau is basically doing all of the puck puck retrieving the dump uh, not really dump ins but like uh, the transitions into the ozone I think. Don't get me wrong, I, I'm like a Monahan super fan. I hate it when people absolutely grill him. But I do think Monahan isn't the ideal number one center for Gaudreau. Like, I, I do think uh, we do need a better center for Gaudreau. But at the same time, both of them complement each, each other in a way that, I don't know, it, it's, just, it's just that way that they play together, it's it just fun to watch like in 2018-19 and how good they were together like I don't know I don't know what happened yeah um I do think the Johnny and Monty just have played together they know how each mm, other play they yeah. do complement each other for to extent but I would love to if not Kachuk if you want to keep that depth I would love to see Manjipani play with Johnny Gaudreau mm. and they do play similar games and that would really help uh Johnny to be able to transition because Manjipani yeah. is also a very good transition player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because j- at that point, if uh, if it's a line with uh, Manjipani, I-, I think it-, it takes the workload off of Gaudreau, knowing that he has that player by him to like um, retrieve the pucks and feed him the puck. Whereas right now, he doesn't really have that solidification with him. Where, whereas, like with Manjapani, I think both of them would complement each other in in like how their games are so similar in terms of like the transition game and how they move the puck and like stuff like that. Yeah, I do agree. I uh, I did want to say um, it, it creates another threat on the ice basically because mm-hmm. most teams know that if it if you're gonna transition from the defensive zone to the uh, uh, offensive zone. It's going to be Johnny Goudreau most of the time carrying in the puck. If, Absolutely. Yeah. Unless they're trying in their dump and chase, which, as we've seen, only works. <laughs> which like, we don't love. <laughs> it barely works, yeah. It sucks. I, I, don't, I don't really know why the dump and chase is like the bread and butter of Jeff Ward. But 
the dump and chase, it doesn't really work for the style that Gaudreau plays. Yeah, like, I, I, exactly. Um, last mm-hmm. year we did see it worked with the the Lucic, uh, Bennett, Dubin yeah, line yeah, because yeah. all three of them are gritty them. players. They're able to yeah. get in there and uh, retrieve the puck from the corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas whenever it's Gaudreau coming into the coming into the opposition zone, he he just doesn't have that piece with him to go into the zone with him. Yeah, because most of the times. He just dumps it in, and it's either him retrieving the pucks or it's Lindholm. But at that point, it's just like, what is there to do? Because, like, dump and chase doesn't really work in today's game because, like, we all know all of the five players on the ice are quick as hell. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I don't know how that system works, but I don't know. Another person I'd like to see with Johnny – one like another defenseman, Val Mackey would be as we saw in uh, in uh, Finland. He was he was really good carrying the puck in, and he is a yeah. good skater with a really good puck movement. He'll be one who we'd like to keep an eye out. Uh, maybe given yeah, some, some for time breakout. With that, yeah, mm. given some time with that top pairing of Johnny and yeah, yeah. Same here. Uh, I I I do think next season, uh, Manjapani is gonna be a breakout player. I think even though through the short uh, time frame that we got to see him, he, like, even in the bubble, he, he showed that side of his game that people didn't see until the bubble. But I do think he's going to break out next season and become into that player that we all hope he could become. Because, like, I do think the that that pairing with uh, Backlund, Mondrapani, and Kachuk, it, it's a really good pairing. But at the same time, I, I, I'd like to see uh, Kachuk get an elevated role. Yeah. But also, Manjapani and Kachuk would complement each other a lot as well. And uh, in terms of that, like when um, uh, that one play uh, where uh, P, uh, I think it, it was in uh, the series against Winnipeg where uh, uh, Neil Pionk lost the puck behind the net. And then Manjapani stole it from him, and then he passed it straight to Backlund, and Backlund got that easy goal. Yeah. I think that was that was one of my favorite plays that uh, uh, the bread man made in the bubble. Uh, I, I think he's going to be really good next season. Yeah, and I just want to talk about his contract that he signed. A two-year, $2.4 million contract, which is crazy for his, a guy of his talent. Mm-hmm. I understand he's still young, but... That that contract is basically a fleece from Manjapani. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. But at the same time, uh, people around the league are like, "Oh, it's it's overpayment. Who's gonna pay Manjapani that much if he was on my team?" But like, they just they don't they, don't they, know how he plays. They haven't seen yeah, him play. They haven't every seen day. a single game. We see him every day, and the thing is, it, it's just the way he plays. Like. I uh, I think under uh, under Billy Peters he didn't really have that role, but once uh, Jeff Ward came in and uh, he got elevated to the second line instead of uh, Michael Froelich being on that right side, I I, I think it, I think it really showed how good of a player he is. Yeah, just that line is an amazing combination. They're able to mm-hmm. able to get through the neutral zone pretty quick, yeah, and it, uh... it's a really good shutdown line for the team. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, now with the bottom six, I I, I think you'd uh, wanna keep the back uh, the Bennett, Lucic, and Dubé line together, but at the same time with the addition of Levo, I think I'd try Levo out on the third line with uh, I I think it'd be Dubé, Dubé on the right side, Bennett at center, and then Levo on the left wing, or you could do Dubé on the left or Levo on the right. I think it'd be really good, but at the same time, uh, the Lucic, Dubé, and Bennett line was one of the, uh, the best line for the Flames in the playoffs. So, I don't, in a way, I think breaking it up would be good for the team, but at the same time, I don't really know. What are your thoughts? I, It's hard. Um, I would love to have Lucic on the fourth line. Just because how he plays and uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Levo is an interesting one. Depending on how he plays, he might be able to break out to even a higher potential than he was before. He mm. could be one, 
that could move up in his from the third line to maybe a second line role if someone was able someone was like injured or someone or something. No, um, I think I think he could do that. He he would be one. Him and Dubé both could be potential. I think they'd complement each other a lot. Yeah, the both of them with Bennett in the middle, mm-hmm. I would love that line. And then maybe Brian, Lucic, yeah. and uh, Simone. Uh, Simone, the... yeah. And then uh, Nordstrom, and then Ronaldo, and then Buddy Robinson as the extra forwards. Yeah, and the taxi squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I I think Levo is a great ad for the team. Uh, he he was injured with the Canucks last season, and we, and we saw how good of a player he could be because he had uh, 19 points in 36 games, 7 goals and 12 assists. And he was a really good player. I think, I think with the limited limited amount of games he had, we couldn't really see what he could do. But I, I think it's a very underrated signing for the team, and for the contra and and like the contract's an absolute steal. So I think, I think if Levo goes off, I think the team might offer him like a multi-year contract, like three to two years. Yeah, he could grab a big contract from the team in the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, then he could be an interesting one for I think I believe he's uh he's eligible for the the uh, Seattle yeah, draft he too. Yeah, he yeah. could be an interesting one for Seattle to take. Yeah, that aspect of the season too, because at this point uh, we are we we already kind kind of have that like frame of who the Flames are gonna protect, but at the same time. It's a tricky thing, too, because we have Milan Lucic, who uh, has that NMC on his contract, which would kind of be the kind of be the obstacle in the road for the Flames if, in terms of uh, the expansion draft. Because if the Flames wanted to uh, p- not protect Lucic, they couldn't really do that. Because, uh, A, Lucic would have to waive his uh, no-move clause. And B, the team would actually want and want him. I do think that, uh, well, I hope Brad Trilling has talked to Lucic about this. And we did hear a little bit uh, last season that he he's, uh, he would waive his uh, no-move mm. contract. But uh, he's, on a, he's on a crazy contract. Um, <laughs> Thanks to but- stupid Edmonton. <laughs> Yeah, but um, that $5 million cap hit, I don't think Seattle would be interested in that, even yeah. if he was to waive his no-move contract. Yeah. Over guys, like depending on how Levo plays or Bennett, these two players would be one of the people I could see them taking. But an interesting one, uh, Ritter would be unprotected too, yeah, so depending same. on how many goalies are out yeah. there. Some good goalies. Ritter could be a good starter or backup for Seattle. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how the team gets made, cause like we already saw how good Vegas was in their first season and how they made it to the Cup final with like all these good players. So like, yeah, I don't think Seattle will be do will be able to do what Vegas did. Vegas just fleeced literally every team. <laughs> um, yeah, but you I, never I, know though. You never know. Yeah, it depends on how Seattle. Seattle uh, does have a really strong analytics department, so they yeah, might be able yeah. to mm-hmm. uh, pick up some younger guys who are still to break out. Mm, yeah. So now, what do we want to grade the Flames off season on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, we talk about the defense, the defense of this team. Um, mm. I don't think Tanev is a replace I think it's a downgrade from Brody. Yeah, they have absolutely. similar contracts. I believe yeah, you could have been able to cap 500k more like what how could you not pay him that much? You should have been able to cap Brody. I know he, yeah. um he I believe he did say Trevling did say that uh, after, he was focused on getting Markstrom first cuz was, it was such a competitive mark, uh, market for Markstrom. But at the same time, I, I, I do believe Brody should have been the first priority. But at the same time, it makes sense as to why Markstrom was kind of the first priority because of, of the interest he had around the league. Yeah, he did have a lot of interest. I think Trevling wanted to secure that uh, his goaltending is, as you know, like uh, 
never really been secure in this franchise's history of the Kippers off, basically. But, um, yeah, in the last two years with Mike Smith and Cam Talbot, oh, it's just God, been... Oh, don't even get started with Mike <laughs> Smith. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a move to solidify our uh, goaltending, that starter spot. I do mm. think that's going to be a really good tandem uh, against the yeah. North uh, good division one-two team. punch. Mm. Yeah. Like, Ritter should be able to, with that uh, decreased workload, he should be able to excel. As yeah. we've seen, Ritter has been a lot better when he's uh, a bit more rested. workload. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, last season when the workload, majority of the workload was on him, and then how the mid-season collapsed yeah, he, from yeah. January, he, uh, the injury on his elbow, I think it's just with the way we overplay some of our goalies, it, it, it gets frustrating. Yeah, it, it really does. Um, But Ritter with this uh, reduced workload, like, as you saw halfway through the last season, his uh, game really did start to uh, plummet. Like, toward, yeah, towards, like, after the... I, I, I love how Oilers fans love to say it was because uh, of the stick toss. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it was more of the... It was more just the workload he was on. It really allowed yeah. uh, Talbot to... Uh, Step accelerate. up his game, yeah. Yeah. Mm. We're lucky Talbot was able to... <laughs> solidifies game in the second half where we'd be out. Yeah, and even in the one. bubble, man. He was lights out. Talbot, yeah, one, was yeah. one of our best players in the bubble. I, I, I don't really get the solidification of the... Well, I, I, I love the solidification of our uh, goaltending, but at the same time, I think... Uh, before the the thought process of even signing Markstrom, at that point I didn't think we'd even sign Markstrom. But with uh, Talbot, I think I would have been confident with bringing in Talbot for another season or two. Yeah, because like he already showed how good of a goalie he can be, and he was kind of already set with the system. So like, I think I would have liked it a lot if uh, the Flames managed to re-sign him, but I'm also really, really happy with the signing of Markstrom. But yeah, goalies can be interesting. They, yeah, it's, it's not... It's, it's voodoo, yeah. Basically. It really is. A goalie can have an amazing season one season and then be the worst goalie in the league next season. You just have to hope, really. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps up his play, yeah. And I do believe his contract goes until he's uh, 36, 36, I believe. Yeah, yeah so it is... He will be pretty old when he comes out of the contract. Yeah. But some of these goalies, like uh, Henrik Lundqvist, mm. like, they were able to defy time mm. and yep. still be really good. Yep. Uh, yeah, but he should be, as when he's out of the league, or at least done with uh, this contract that he's on, that should allow for some of our prospects like Dustin Wolf to come up. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Play in the NHL. Yeah. Okay, so in my opinion, I, I on a scale of one to ten, I'd rate the Flames offseason like a good eight to eight point five. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to go lower than that. I'd go more of like Ooh. a six to a seven, but uh, <laughs> I just I don't think the Chris Tanev deal that's yeah. just too long. The, a four year contract uh, for Chris Tanev is too long. Yeah. The the only reason I have this grade so high it's because of the Markstrom signing and, like, the signing of Levo, Simone, and stuff like that. But, absolutely, I, th- I think the Tanev signing is, uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, the Tanev signing and the Markstrom signing, I think they're just a little bit too long. I understand yeah, for the Markstrom absolutely. signing, he could still be that good for that many years. But, um, and I understand his, his market was really competitive. Yep. Um, so, you did have to lock him up for a longer term for a higher price. But the Tanev deal, that four years, I at most I would have done a two-year deal, but I, I don't know if that would have gone through. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I give it a eight, eight to eight point five. Yeah. So for the next segment, we're gonna be giving a World Junior Championships preview. Uh, they're happening just up the road in Edmonton, and the Flames have four prospects up there. We're just about two days away from the official start of the World Junior Championships. Uh, three from when Team Canada starts playing. And 
for the first time in a while, the Flames have uh, four prospects at the World Junior Championships. And uh, Harkir will tell you which of these prospects are at the uh, bubble in Edmonton. Yeah, for uh, so first off, for Team Canada, we got Jacob Peltier, uh, which was uh, the Flames' 2019 first-round pick. Uh, he selected 26th overall. Mm-hmm. So, uh, during their practices, uh, he was on a line with uh, Dylan Holloway, which uh, is an Oilers prospect, and uh, a Colorado prospect centering both of them, uh, Alex Newenhook. Yep. Yep. Then we have this year's uh, draft pick, Connor Zari, uh, also for uh, Team Canada, uh, drafted in the first round, also 26th overall. Uh, he's on a oh 24th my bad 24th and uh he's on a line with uh so he's on a line with uh Ryan Suzuki and they're both being uh centered by Quentin Byfield uh Ryan Suzuki is a hurricane prospect and mm-hmm. Quentin Byfield was also King's. uh Kings mm-hmm. prospect yeah yeah I, I think that's a solid line and uh he had in their four scrimmage games uh, before they uh, officially went to the Edmonton bubble, uh, Zari had five points, uh, one goal, four assists. And uh, Jacob Pelletier had two points, one goal, and then one assist. Uh, uh, the scoring leaders uh, at the end of the four uh, inter-squad games, Connor Zari was tied for a third place with uh, Dylan Cousins and Graham Clark. And I think, I think they they both did a very good job at uh, both uh, all four of the inter squad games. Uh, I watched two of them, and bo- both of them looked really good. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited to see what uh, both of these guys can do with Team Canada. Uh, it's being reported that uh, the Pelletier, Holloway, and uh, New Hook line is going to be Team Canada's shutdown line in a way. So uh, I think that line is going to be huge for the team. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Team Canada coach uh, Andre Tierney, uh, Tierney, Tierney, I don't know how you pronounce it, my bad. Uh, he, he had some great words for uh, Jacob Pelletier and before, after one of the practices. Uh, he said he's the kind of player who makes others better. He had a good day yesterday. Uh, good day yesterday, which was the practice before, and then, uh, and he said again tonight he was really reliable. Uh, he says he brings a lot of energy. He has a good presence on the bench, and he does a lot of good things. So uh, pretty high praise from uh, the Team Canada coach. And then, the Flames also have two other prospects at the World Juniors: uh, Dustin Wolf for Team USA. Uh, drafted in the seventh round in 2019, uh, 214th overall, a steal. One of the one of the biggest steals for, of the 2019 draft, as uh, the only reason he was ever dropped that low was because of his height. And um, uh, last year, this year there wasn't really a WHL season and. On record, I don't think uh, Team USA had any inter-squad games. So uh, in the 2019-20 season, in um, in Everett of the WHL, uh, Dustin Wolf had a 1.88 goals against average, uh, 9.35 save percentage, and he had 34 wins, 10 losses, and two overtime losses, which is a really good record. And he won goalie of the year in the WHL. So, yeah, he's a really good prospect to look forward to. And I think he's the next heir to the Flames goalie crease. Yeah, it depends on how the Flames uh, end up developing him. As yeah, we know, uh, there have been some busts. <laughs> the track record for the Flames developing goalies is really bad so far. Yeah, but he is competing uh, with two other goalies at the USA camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Spencer uh, against Knight. Spencer Knight and Logan Steen, yeah. um, both very good goalies. But uh, he could be he could fight for a starter spot depending on how yeah. the other two play. I think 
Uh, I think uh, last year, even uh, at the World Juniors last year, uh, Spencer Knight was the starter and uh, Wolfie was the backup. I think this year it could go either way. I think Wolfie could be the starter, or he could be backing up uh, Spencer Knight, or it could be other, or, or it could be the other way around. Yeah, um, and then our fourth prospect at the World Juniors is for Team Russia, Jan Kuznetsov. He was uh, drafted in the 2020 draft, second round, 50th overall mm-hmm. uh, defenseman. Yeah, and uh, when he got picked, people were like, <laughs> what is this pick? Because there were uh, a lot of other names in uh, that were left uh, before the Flames picked Jan. But in my opinion, I, I think it was a good good pick knowing that uh, the team kind of did need to solidify the D in some sorts because the D prospect pool for the Flames is was very dwindling at the time of which we drafted Jan. And um, uh, he, he only played two games with uh, the UConn Huskies, uh, University of Connecticut. He only, had, uh, he only played two games so far before heading to the Russia training camp before their uh, departure to Edmonton and then he had one assist in two games and then in the 1920 season leading up to his uh, draft uh, in 34 games he had two uh, two goals and nine assists for 11 points not too shabby um, I think I, I think I think he I think he's gonna be a really good prospect curious to see uh, how he does in the World Juniors, as I, I, I don't really know much about him yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing what I can find out of uh, how good of a player he is and what type of style he plays. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, he was a bit of an off-the-board pick by the Flames. Yeah, absolutely, yep. But we did need to uh, increase the number of defensemen prospects we do have, and uh, he should be fun to watch at the, the World Juniors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do think the D-pool, like, it, it's stronger now than it was back in October or, like, July. But we do have some really nice names in that pool, like Johannes Kinval. Uh, he's coming, uh, I think he's co- he's coming into the, uh, he's coming into North America, I think, either ne- uh, next season or the season after because of his uh, contract with uh, HV71 in, uh, in the SHL. And then uh, there's CJ Lurby. Uh, he's coming to the North America this season. And he's a really good prospect to look forward to on the D zone. And yeah, I, I think I think this in, in this year's draft, the team did a really good job of solidifying some of the positions that we needed to solidify in the prospect pool. And yeah, it, it was an off, off the board pick, but at the same time, you gotta think. You can't really be the armchair GM. I mean, not really, not really that the GM makes all of the picks, because he does have the scouting team with him to make most of the picks. But I, I, I do think the scouting team did do a good job in terms of like picking good players in the draft of this year. Yeah, overall, it was a it was a pretty good draft for the Flames. We'll see how the prospects turn out. But uh, one of the the crazy things about the draft, uh, we traded. Our first round pick twice yeah, required two thirds, and still picked up yeah. a really good player. The guy, <laughs> yeah. the person we were projected to pick at the first on the first uh, first pick. It was uh, Hendrix Lapierre. P- people wanted Hendrix Lapierre, but I, I already had it had it set in stone on my end that we were gonna pick Connor Zari. So like, in the back of my mind, I was like, "What are they doing?" I'm like, "They're trading down." Are they looking for another player? Do they think they can get this pair this low? And then, and when they when they eventually got to the twenty fourth pick, I'm like, here we go, they're gonna trade it again. And then uh, they picked up Connor Zari, which was a really good, really good moment for uh, Zari and the team with uh, Lanny announcing the pick. Yeah, he was. I'm pretty sure he was projected around the. I believe he had the nineteenth overall pick at yeah. first. Mm-hmm. Um, he was projected to go around there, but there was a bunch of really good prospects there, like like you said, Hampus Lapierre, um, Hendrick Lapierre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Connizari, like all these. There was Doss, a couple yeah, more. There was a lot. Dawson yeah, so, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the Flames, 
the Flames obviously thought that they'll be able to acquire a pretty good prospect if they were to trade down twice. Yeah. Ended I, up working I, out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You they played their pawns the correct way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's the second official episode of the Flames Report. Uh following the first episode, <laughs> which was really short, I think. Uh we're looking forward to what uh this whole podcast scene has in store for us. And yeah, look forward to episode three uh, coming da- uh, coming eventually in like the next week or so, or maybe even down the road, depending on when we end up recording it. But yeah, there's episode two of the Flames Report. Uh-oh.